Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast number 74. We're going to continue looking at a brief chronology of the temple that was built on Mount Moriah. And when I left you last, we were looking at the dedication of the temple by Solomon, the son of David. Now, remember that uh, Mount Moriah was a sacred place even before Abraham, and then Abraham was to offer his son Isaac there. And as you'll recall, God provided a ram, a substitute, and it was indeed the place of substitution and of atonement. And later, as you know, David bought that threshing floor, that flat plateau in the heights of Mount Moriah, just above the city, the Jebusite city that was called Jerusalem. And David conquered that city. Joab, his general, came up through the water tunnel and conquered the city. And it became known as the city of David or David's city as it is today. And so that's where the threshing floor that he bought, that's where Solomon built the temple that we read about yesterday and dedicated that. And the temple was finished around 960, and Solomon died in 931 B.C. And when he died, his young son, Rehoboam, was very unwise and unseasoned, and he called all of the men together that had been his father's advisors and said, I am a uh, young man. How should I lead this people? And they said, your father, when he built that temple, was a hard taskmaster. He was a very wise man, and they told about his greatness and so forth, but said, if you will ease up on the people, because Solomon not only taxed them financially, but they all had to give, all of the men had to give a month of labor, free labor to the king. And so it was a hard time during the days of Solomon and the king lived well and there was a lot of prosperity, but the taxation was so much that the people were just worn out. They were tired physically and tired of giving so many tithes to the king and and to the temple area. And so these older, wiser men said, if you'll just ease up on these people, they'll follow you anywhere. Then he went to his contemporaries, his peers, and the younger men and said, how should I do this? And as an unseasoned lot as they were, they said, hey, you're going to have to show these people who uh, is the boss. And your dad ruled them with an iron fist, and you're going to have to do the same, and, and even more so because you're young and they won't respect your age. And so he took the advice of his young peers instead of the seasoned elder advisors of the older men. And sure enough, when he went out to talk with the people after a few words, he said, you think my dad's hand was heavy upon you? My little finger will be thicker than his waist and heavier than his waist. And that was all that the crowd, the disgruntled crowd that was led by a man, a perverted man named Jeroboam, who was the son of Nebat. And his epitaph is always Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. You see, God had already promised Jeroboam that he was going to get 10 tribes 
of the 12 tribes of Israel. But he tried to bring it about in his own way, and his own corruptness led him to rebel against uh, the son of Solomon and the Davidic dynasty and the tribe of Judah, and 10 tribes bolted north and formed the northern confederation called Israel, sometimes referred to as Ephraim in the Bible. Now, that's important because the central place of worship on Mount Moriah had not changed, but the 10 tribes to the north were going to need some place to worship, or they were going to come back to this central place in Jerusalem. And Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the wicked man that he was and the shrewd man that he was, knew that if the people came back to worship, the Bible even gives this commentary of his thoughts, and only God knows the thoughts. And here's what God said that his thoughts were. If these people go back and they worship there, they're going to remember all the good times that they had. They're going to remember King David and the promises made to Abraham, the promises made to King David, and they're going to leave me. And so he created his own worship system with his own gods. And so he went north to the father's point to Dan, and there he set up an altar with a golden calf, just like they came out of Egypt when they built that golden calf and Aaron created that. So Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, set up an altar and a temple in Dan, and that was for the northern part of Israel and to the south so that they would not go back and cross the line into what would have been Judah. He set up a southern outpost and worship center in the town of Bethel, which is not far from Jerusalem at all and not far from modern-day Ramallah and that area. And for those of you who have been there, you know when we go to Shiloh, you see road signs just right off the road that say Bethel just a short distance away. And so it's very close to Jerusalem. And so the wickedness started and the temple stood only for the people of Judah because they're the only ones that worshiped everyone else, went north and worshiped the false god with their own priesthood, their own special days, everything. So Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, literally set aside his own worship system contrary to the worship of the true and the living God, the creator of the universe, and the true God of Israel. And so that kingdom only lasted from 931 down to 722 B.C., and the Assyrians came in, whose capital was Mosul, modern-day Mosul. It was Nineveh in the Bible, same place, uh, just with different names, and uh, totally decimated the northern kingdom. And when they did this, they carried the people away to various parts of their kingdom and brought in other people from other parts of the kingdom into Samaria, the capital there, and into all the northern parts of Israel. And they created a mixed race of people that lived in the capital of Samaria, and they became known as the Samaritans, and they were the mortal enemies of the Jews, the true tribe of Judah. And then the Samaritans were in always competition and always battling and territorial. And so you know the story that led to the first century story of Jesus when he told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so that part of Israel, ever since the days of King Solomon and the split of the kingdom, that middle part called Samaria has always been, ever since, a place of trouble. So that is nothing new just in our modern day. This has been going on for more than 2,000 years, almost 3,000 years. And so after the decimation of the northern kingdom, only the temple in Jerusalem remained 
and it lasted until 605 B.C. In 605 B.C., you have the first phase of the Judean captivity. But before that, leading up to that, you have the defeat of the Assyrians and the fall of Nineveh in 612, 612 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, according to our calendar. Nebuchadnezzar, his father, Nebuchadnezzar, totally took over what was the Assyrian, the great Assyrian empire, and they came up from Mesopotamia up into what is northern uh, Syria today and eastern Turkey and took over the area called Mosul. It is in northern Iraq officially today. And so that whole area there was completely conquered. And Nebuchadnezzar then began to drift north. He came, went all the way, as a matter of fact, to Egypt. And as he was making his rounds, he went to Jerusalem and he took all of the blue bloods, Daniel, his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, better known as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego by their Babylonian names. He took all of those young men, the educated, the elite of Judah, and he took the temple treasures with him at this time and took them to Babylon. When they got there, they were castrated. They were made Babylonian. They learned the language of the Babylonians, and so they were in captivity. And you'll recall then the second phase of the captivity was from 597 onward when after just a few years after Nebuchadnezzar had come in 605, he set up a puppet king. He thought that that might last, but it didn't. In 597, he came back and he took everyone except just the off-scouring, the reject of uh, the Judean culture. And when he took the mainstream of the people, he took Ezekiel with him. And Ezekiel was the one who prophesied, it says, on the river Kibar, which was actually a man-made canal between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. And uh, that's where the common people lived. And you remember Jeremiah wrote a letter to the captives and said, pray for the country where you are. Pray for for the city where you are, because when it prospers, you'll prosper. And we still go by that today. So he told them to plant there and not just constantly be in rebellion because God had brought about the captivity on purpose so that the land could rest as a discipline to his people for not observing the Sabbath and their idol worship and so forth. And so after 70 years of being without a temple, the second temple was established and was built by Zerubbabel. But in 586, the beautiful temple that Solomon had built failed. That's right. There were three phases to the Judean captivity. The 605 phase when Daniel and all of the blue bloods were taken. 597, Nebuchadnezzar came back and he took all of the, just almost all of the people just left those who were the rejects, part of which was Jeremiah. And that was because he was the son of Abiathar, Abiathar as we call him, who was in on Adonijah's anointing as king instead of Solomon under Nathan and Zadok the priest. And as you'll recall, when David died, Solomon said to Abiathar, I'm not going to kill you uh, like I am uh, Joab and Adonijah, but I'm going to let you live because you carried the ark of the Lord and you served my father David. I'm going to banish you and your family as priest. You won't get to serve anymore in the temple and you're going to be living in a place up near the border with the tribe of Benjamin called Anathoth. 
and Anathoth is there today. That's where Jeremiah was, and he was part of that priestly clan. But they were the rejects. They were the outcast of society. And remember, Nebuchadnezzar didn't take the outcast with him. He left them there to uh, oversee the land and live in the land because they were poor and didn't have anything, and he knew they would not be able to create an army against him. So Jeremiah would have been left no matter what, and so God spared his life, and we'll talk more about that the next time. But I want you to understand that the beautiful temple that Solomon built only lasted till 586 B.C., which is centuries, yes, but the beauty of it and the splendor of it was gone, and in 586, everything was destroyed, and they were without a temple from 586 until the second temple was built, 70 years, dedicated 70 years to the year, just like God said it would be in 516. We'll continue the next time as we walk on the way. God bless you. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.